Good morning. I'm Donna Quinn, and for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. Today, we will be learning about the Columbia River Shipwreck Conference. It's kind of a second annual event happening Saturday, February 8th at the Columbia River Maritime Museum. It promises to be fascinating. They have an amazing keynote speaker. And today we're going to learn about that conference and about the two organizations sponsoring it, the Columbia River Maritime Museum and the Maritime Archaeological Society. So here in the studio, I have Bruce Jones. He is the deputy director of the Columbia River Maritime Museum. Good morning, Bruce. Hi, Donna. Glad to have you here. Pleasure to be here. We also have Chris Dewey. Chris is the president of the Maritime Archaeological Society based here in Astoria, Oregon. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Before we start talking about this fascinating event, um, which is open to everyone, um, although one should go to the website and register and get a ticket, um, let's learn a little bit about each of you. So, um, Chris, let's start with you. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, great. I was uh, mm-hmm. I was in the Navy for 23 years. I served as both uh, in the enlisted ranks and commission ranks. Uh, had a wonderful time. Where'd you grow up and where were you in the Navy? Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, but my mom uh, was a nurse for the VA, so we lived all over the country. Mm, so okay. I, I, I'm anywhere I hang my hat is home. Okay. Uh, and uh, being here in Astoria, it's just a, a wonderful thing. So uh, I did my career in the Navy, uh, wanted to do something else, used my GI Bill to get uh, go to the University of West Florida and study maritime archaeology. Uh, it was a wonderful time, and my wife and I came up here to Oregon for a vacation and decided this is where we wanted to be. Came up and um, been doing that uh, for five years now as uh, president of the Maritime Archaeological Society. So how long have you actually been in this right then? Five years? or uh, We've been here six right. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been in Oregon mm-hmm. for seven years. Uh, we spent a year in Portland. That was kind of fun. Uh, but we decided that... Uh, we had to be near the coast, and this was uh, the place we wanted to be. But the Maritime Museum and the college uh, just seemed like a perfect place. Yes, and we'll get your description of maritime archaeology in a minute here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Bruce, let's have um, Lucy and I learn a bit about yourself. Hi, Donna. I'm uh, a native of both uh, Newport News and Alexandria, Virginia. I joined the Coast Guard in 1983, and 27 years into a very enjoyable Coast Guard career, I was assigned to Astoria, Oregon, first time on the West Coast. We fell in love with it. I finished up my Coast Guard career in 2014, went to work right away for the Columbia River Bar Pilots as a helicopter pilot, taking them to mm-hmm. and from their ships. Did that for two and a half years. I was elected to city council uh, three and a half years ago, and then had the good fortune that the deputy director position at the Columbia River Maritime Museum opened, and I was selected and have worked at the Maritime Museum for the last uh, two and a quarter years, uh, while also serving the city, on, first on the council, now as mayor. Yes. All right. You're a busy person. Slightly. <laughs> I think so. Well, we're very glad to have you both here. Um, Chris, what is maritime archaeology? We study shipwrecks uh, as archaeological sites. We are not treasure hunters. We, uh, we, we'd love to find a chest of gold, uh, but we'd have to give it to the state. Everything we do uh, is in accordance with federal, state, and local regulations uh, regarding archaeological sites. Uh, and we do uh, we use a lot of uh, high technology. Sometimes we have to borrow it. Uh, it's very expensive sometimes, but it's uh, side-scan sonar, magnetometers, uh, and we go out and we do some diving. Although with the technology that we have today, uh, diving is getting to be less and less what we do because we can get almost as much information 
using sonars and cameras and other things. Mm, it's really changed since you probably <clears throat> were involved with it. And um, let's have you explain what the Maritime Archaeological Society is and why you founded this nonprofit 501c3 organization, which serves the Pacific Northwest and beyond. What is your mission statement there? Well, we do archaeology uh, along the Northwest Coast and all over the world. In fact, we've got uh, one of our board members is from Hawaii, and we try to uh, we try to make a trip out there when we can, but that's expensive, of course. We look for shipwrecks and document them through the states. Uh, we have good relationships with the Oregon and Washington state archaeologists. We'd like to do more with Idaho and some of the lakes and things. And we're the only volunteer group like this in America on the West Coast. Uh, the Canadians have an organization similar. They've been around for 40 years. Uh, we've been around for five. And we... Um, we document ships, we write up the forms correctly, and we submit them uh, through registered archaeologists. And we have five or six on our staff right now, and we submit those to the state. And even if it's not an exciting shipwreck with buried treasure, we document individual ships around here that are really the core of our history, including uh, gill netters lost in the Lewis and Clark River and uh, the uh, T.J. Potter that was sunk just 400 yards from my house in the uh, north uh, part of Young's Bay. So that's what we do is we document shipwrecks and we add to our, our cultural history. So, yeah, you're dedicated to historical shipwreck documentation and public education in maritime heritage, which is so important. Yes, we teach. Uh, we haven't done it in a while because we're our instructors have kind of we have a lot of instructors getting them all in a story at one time is somewhat difficult. But we, we do have a uh, public education uh, course that we teach at Class of Community College. Uh, we offer all of our training to our members, uh, and we do um, the Columbia River Shipwreck Conference uh, that, that adds to the knowledge of uh, the public history in the area. How do people become members or, or volunteers with the Maritime Archaeological Society? The easiest way is to go to our website, which is, uh, let's see, it's uh, mar uh, maritimearchaeological.org. Okay. And uh, you go there and you go to the membership file. Uh, you fill out a form. You have to sign it. So you have to either mail it to us or you can scan it and email it to us. Uh, and you pay your, your dues and then we'll get you into the training program. So if someone perhaps has just moved here, they're retired, they're fascinated because shipwrecks are fascinating, um, and they want to do some research at home, then this might be a perfect fit for them. Yes, we do a lot of uh, research before we go look for shipwrecks. In fact, we have many members who don't dive, don't want to go out and get muddy. We have many who want to go out and get muddy in the banks and the, and the beaches and things. But we, we uh, have a number of folks who will usually show up at the Maritime Museum on Tuesdays, is when we do it mostly, and we dig through the archives and we look for details about shipwrecks. And not just, uh, you hear, you go to any bar, we, we spend a lot of time down at Bowie Beer. They're one of our sponsors, and, and I used to go there before they were our sponsor. And we would sit there and talk with people and you hear all kinds of shipwreck stories. What we do is we take some of those stories and we try to see what's real and what's not and what's in the record and, and what we can prove. Mm. All right. Fascinating. 
And uh, Bruce Jones, tell us about the mission of the Columbia River Maritime Museum and what you all are up to there. Yeah, our museum is, our mission is to collect, preserve, uh, display, and share the maritime heritage of our region, region, the Columbia River and the uh, joining waters of the Pacific Northwest and the North Pacific. And really, it's so important because the whole history of our region is a maritime history. And a lot of folks that maybe don't work directly with the sea, with maritime jobs, don't realize how crucial the whole maritime uh, industry has been to this region since prehistoric times. Before the first uh, European white settlers came here, Native American nations uh, had vast maritime uh, trading routes and trading cultures. Uh, uh, they went up and down the, the coast of the Northwest, up to Puget Sound area, down to California, up the Columbia River, and then up the adjoining waterways. That's how goods were traded. Uh, that's how uh, warfare was conducted. And it was just uh, it was a, 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 an essentially maritime culture of the indigenous peoples of the Columbia River area. And, of course, since the Europeans first came here, they came here for the purpose of maritime trade. It was settled for the purpose of maritime trade, and our immigrants came here primarily from maritime routes. And and uh, and it continues to be a, a vast maritime highway, the Columbia River, and it's one of the top one, two, or three uh, exporters uh, nationwide for most of our grains, you know, wheat, soy, corn, uh, lumber, of course, even automobiles. We see the car ships coming in from Japan and Korea several times a week. We even send cars to Asia from the United States on some of those outbound ships. So um, we are essentially a maritime region, and that's what our museum celebrates. And you also have a lot of volunteers who work at the museum. Um, we do. And we have right now about 60 volunteers. Some are docents. Uh, some uh, stay on the light ship to welcome our guests on the light ship Columbia. We have volunteers in education and curatorial that help with collections, documentation, and give tours, and a whole variety of other areas. So we welcome anyone who would like to uh, give a few hours a week as a volunteer. We welcome you to come to the Columbia River Maritime Museum and sign up and see what you can do for us and what how we can uh, work with you. And you have ongoing lectures and, and summer camps. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the things that are that, that you're doing currently and what's coming up? Sure. We have a Tuesday uh, morning lecture series in the winter, so January through February. Um, yesterday we had Captain Robert Johnson from the Bar Pilots, retired, talking about anchoring. And uh, we have uh, next week we have a presentation on February 4th at 1030, Maritime Commerce and Towns That Died on the Coast. The week after that, February 11, is Paddling Source to Sea from a woman who took a, Colum took a canoe from the headwaters of the Columbia all the way down to the ocean. And then we have Shipwrecked in Japan. And finally, Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer Stories ends us on February the 25th. So winter lecture series, lots of educational programs. Our educators reach 15,000 students a year in Oregon and Washington, 10,000 students in the schools. So we do about 400, last year, 430 school visits that reached 10,000-plus students. And then we had another 5,000 students that came to the museum on formal school programs. So education is a really big part of our mission. And people, you obviously, you're also a 501c3, so you, you get grants, you have memberships, which help uh, support and fund all of these um, exciting and, and wonderful things that you're doing. We have about uh, 1,500 members. Membership at the museum, of course, helps support our programs and our uh, education programs and also provides some benefits to those who become a member. We are a part of a consortium in Oregon where if you are a member of the Columbia River Maritime Museum, once a month you have free admission all month to a different 
attraction within Oregon, like the Oregon Zoo or the Air Museum in uh, McMinnville. There's quite a few other, the Chinese Gardens, for example. So there's lots of benefits to becoming a member of the Maritime Museum, plus your discount at our wonderful store and a free admission to our 3D movie. And it is a superb store, that's for sure. And lately there's been a lot of excitement um, with a body of water outside. Yes, we have realized a, a decade-long dream of our board of trustees to acquire the former North Coast Auto property when the former owner retired. Uh, we acquired that property and have constructed a 100-foot by 50-foot foot model boat pond. And it's essentially a, a park that we are, are opening to the public, to the whole community. It'll be used for formal education programs. We already have field trips signed up. Uh, later this year for school groups to come in and have classes at the pond where they're going to learn about all kinds of basic uh, steam activities using model sailboats. When we're not using the pond for formal education programs, it'll be open to the public. And we've already had a lot of interest from people, kids and adults alike, who want to come down and use the pond to sail model boats. We have people that have built fairly expensive remote-controlled boats, and we have a whole variety of kits and uh, online, you can find designs to build sailboats inexpensively using, for example, an egg carton. An egg carton and a pencil and a piece of fabric. You can make a model boat, take it to the pond, and sail it to your heart's content. We think it's going to be a real uh, great thing for the community, a great place for people to come together and enjoy activities, young and old alike. Absolutely. Does this pond have a name? It is the Warnock a model boat pond named after Dr. Gerald Warnock, who was our largest benefactor. The pond was built, uh, the land and the pond, uh, the land was bought and the pond was constructed all with private uh, funds. And this connects the campus, the larger campus of the Maritime Museum. It does. We found over the past few years that uh, people didn't realize the old railroad depot was actually part of the Columbia River Maritime Museum. Of course, we've re restored it and use it now as the Barbie Maritime Center. We have a variety of community programs and educational programs year-round at the Barbie Center. But people thought... Is that part of the college? Is it, what is that thing, that, that brick building? And, and by opening the pond and putting our sign out there, we hope people realize now it's all part of the Columbia River Maritime Museum campus, and all those educational and community programs are all, all tied together. I can see a lot of people saying, it's Sunday afternoon. Let's go down to the boat pond and sail our little model boats. I'll be there. Okay. I'll see you there. Absolutely. Um, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn. And today we are talking with, we just heard from Bruce Jones. He is the Deputy Director of the Columbia River Maritime Museum. And we also have in the studio Chris Dewey. Chris is the President of the Maritime Archaeological Society. And both of these fine organizations, which are 501c3s, um, are sponsoring the Columbia River Shipwreck Conference happening Saturday, February 8th, at the Columbia River Maritime Museum. And it would be wise to go to the Maritime Archaeological Society website and get your tickets in advance. Um, half of the tickets are already sold. And um, let's talk about the Shipwreck Conference. What's going to happen, Chris? Well, it should be a real fun uh, event. We've got... Uh a great keynote speaker and a number of other uh, speakers in the afternoon as well. Uh, our keynote speaker is Dr. James Delgado. Uh, he's a, uh, a really a world famous uh, maritime archaeologist. We've really were lucky to get on his schedule. Uh, he's he's been doing this for thirty or forty years, probably m maybe longer than that. Uh, he's had all kinds of uh, different jobs throughout the country. Uh, he was also 
the director of the Vancouver Maritime Museum up in uh, Vancouver, B.C. And uh, a couple of friends of mine have said that uh, he's kind of the Neil deGrasse Tyson of the maritime archaeological world. He's, oh, that's uh, exciting. Yeah, he's very smart, very experienced, and uh, if there's a TV show about maritime archaeology, they'll probably get him to speak. Um, he's currently, although the, the organization, uh, the, the program doesn't have a host, he is frequently on Drain the Oceans on National Geographic. Uh, it's a pretty interesting show where they take the technology to reconstruct shipwrecks at deep water, uh, reconstruct the wreck and then drain the ocean and they have Jim usually comes out and talks about the shipwreck and how it got there and the history behind it. Well, on your website, it said the deep ocean beyond the range of diving has emerged as the final frontier of ocean exploration and by extension, maritime archaeology. And the keynote speaker who's speaking at 11, and we'll talk a little bit about the agenda in a minute, um, it says he's been actively working in the final frontier um, in manned submersibles, remotely operated vehicles for decades, and he had two missions to the Titanic, which, of course, is there's such an incredible romance about that, um, the tragedy of it all. But there's still something that is so compelling. Um, and he's been involved with other projects. The first telepresence enabled deep water archaeological excavation of a shipwreck in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Why are people so fascinated with shipwrecks, do you think, Chris? Well, we've uh, had a, a pretty realistic discussion about that at the Maritime Museum because we're working on a uh, shipwreck exhibit for them. We're trying to understand why are people so fascinated with shipwrecks. And it, I think it's because, and this is my own opinion, that the wrecks are hidden for so long. If you have a plane wreck or a train wreck or a car crash, you can get to those sites sometimes, not easily, but you can get to them take everything out and tell the story where a shipwreck is gone. It dis disappears. Sometimes ships just sail away and no one has ever heard from them again. Uh, and that's, that's the allure that I think we're, we're reaching down into now is trying to find those shipwrecks. And also uh, th from the archaeological world, we're trying to build the culture and the history of a society through shipwrecks. They can be considered time capsules of a certain period that disappeared and were untouched in many cases uh, until archaeologists go down and take a look. Shipwrecks have also captured the imagination of people for thousands of years. I mean, you go back to pre-BC uh, writings, uh, poetry, art found in uh, Egyptian tombs. I mean, shipwrecks are a part of it. Uh, there's poetry written about shipwrecks in ancient Greek and ancient Roman writings. Um, David Copperfield, there's a famous, I think it's chapter 54 or 55 of David, David Copperfield by Charles Dickens, has this fascinating and wrenching uh, description of a shipwreck observed by people from the shore. The ship, the ship went on a sandbar just out of reach of rescuers, and the people from shore just watch as the waves sweep the people off the ship one by one until they all mm -hmm. drown. And that's a mm -hmm. site we have, which we have a lot of records of here on the Oregon and Washington coast, where uh, ships have gone aground on the various bars up and down the Oregon and Washington coast. And uh, in some cases, lifesavers were able to get to them. In some cases, we have records as, as recently as, you know, 40, 50 years ago where people just watch the waves sweep the victims off the boats mm. and they disappear before rescuers can get there. 
And that's just a topic I think that's endlessly fascinating. Yes. I, I, this time capsule idea, I think, is and, and the idea we all think that someone's going to find hidden treasure. You know, you're going to find the gold doubloons or something and the pirates. And there's just there's something that is, yeah, there's definitely a romance about, about shipwrecks. Yeah, we actually have a book uh, that's being published now, uh, Historic Shipwrecks of the Pacific Northwest, uh, and it's going to be out. We were hoping to get it out in time for the conference, but you know how publishing is. It's never quite on time. Uh, it'll be out March 1st, and uh, it covers many of the shipwrecks uh, that are well-known on the coast, including the uh, beeswax wreck, uh, the Spanish Galleon, uh, different types of uh, ships all the way down from, uh, all the way up from Washington down to Manzanita and beyond. Well, let's talk about the agenda on Saturday, February 8th at the Columbia River Maritime Museum in Astoria, Oregon. Um, From 9.30 to 10, you're having guests arrive, and then let's talk about the rest of the day. What does that look like? Well, the the first session is really uh, very important, and I I put it up there because it's going to have a large impact on what we're doing over the next several years. Drew Wendeborn is a student. He's been a mass member pretty much since we started, but he's a uh, mechanical engineering student in at Portland in Portland State, and they have a, an autonomous underwater vehicle. And so his instructor said, "Wouldn't you like to use this to go look for shipwrecks?" And he said, "Sure." Uh, so he's going to talk about that. He's got a team of six or seven folks that are coming out from Portland. Uh, and they're going to bring the vehicle with them in the car. So they'll have, uh-huh. it's a little uh, orange-looking torpedo device. And what they have is it's just a plain body. There's nothing in it. So Drew's going to engineer the sonar, and there's also additional things we want to have, collision avoidance, uh, maybe in the future a magnetometer and some other other technique technical uh, devices on there. So he's going to talk all about that. Um, Cutting edge. Yes, uh, and it could be... But, but we have to be patient. It's going to take a while to get this up to speed to work in the environment we need to out in the uh, uh, Pacific Ocean. Uh, after that, we'll take a quick break, and then Jim Delgado will come in. He'll talk all about uh, the deep water effort at finding shipwrecks. And they're, it's happening all over the world. I mean, I, I, I'm a Facebook guy. I love Facebook, and I hate Facebook because I don't, I don't care what everybody else says, but I love all of the things that I can get on a daily basis from other maritime archaeology societies. And several times a day, I get a news break about another deep water detection of a, a historic ship, and it's just wonderful. So you'll talk about that at lunchtime. We're going to hold our uh, annual meeting. We have to we have to go through our accounting for, for, for legal purposes and all that. We won't do that for very long, but we're going to talk about what we did last year and what we're going to do this coming year, including looking for shipwrecks and abandoned vessels in Young's Bay, out on the coast, and a couple over in Fort Stevens. We've got a couple of sites up in the Puget Sound we're, we're going to move out on, and uh, we've got one in the, in the Blackwater Lake that we're going to, we're going to look at as well. We'll do that. Um, after lunch, we'll we'll bring Melissa Darby in. She has spoken a couple of different uh, places around the area, but not in Astoria. And she's going to talk about Thunder Go North, which is her book, which we'll be selling there as well. And that talks about um, how um, Francis Drake may have come up as far as Whale Cove, Oregon, and not... Uh, uh, 
the, the Bay down in California. So that's going to be an inter- interesting uh, lecture. She's uh, got a lot of good information on that. Captain Robert Johnson, uh, famous uh, bar pilot, retired bar pilot. Uh, he's going to talk about the Vaslav Vorosky, which was wrecked out here on the bar in 1941. It was a Russian freighter that was bringing mechanical uh, equipment back to the Soviet Union, had a steering casualty, and got jammed up on the, um, on the north side of the channel. Uh, after a break, we'll talk with um, Sean Murphy and Rob Wilson, who are going to discuss the Gilkey Tugs, and they've got a nice video about a dive they took uh, on the Bahada, which is uh, a tug up in the Puget Sound, uh, and they got a lot of good information for that. We're in the process of sending that information to the uh, Washington archaeologist. Uh, Scott Williams, uh, many people have heard his talk on the beeswax wreck. He knows everything about that wreck. Uh, he's going to take a different tack this time. We're gonna, he's going to look at all the different Spanish shipwrecks in the area and how their survivors have impacted our culture over time. Really a lot of fun. Uh, I've heard him uh, talk, uh, give that talk before, and it's really terrific. And then finally, um, we're going to have Bill Zanke. He's one of our divers. And he's going to talk about the search we've been uh, conducting in the Black Lake in Washington looking for a Navy training uh, plane that was lost, and there are rumors that it crashed in Black Lake. He spent uh, several days last summer looking for that. Uh, he hasn't been hasn't found it yet, but we're we're getting there. Well, that's great. I, I, I what about the Bermuda Triangle? Should 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 there be some? some is there research going on there? What what happens there? Well, well, that is beyond the Northwest, so I guess yeah. that falls within our, our right, spec, but right, it, it's right. A far. The Maritime Archaeological <laughs> Society serving the Pacific Northwest and beyond. But anyway, um, so we just have a few minutes left, and um, and I'm going to urge all of you to you know get your tickets. Go to the Maritime Archaeological Society. Um, and get your tickets right now. They're incredibly reasonable for this really exciting one-day event, and and there's a, a lunch. You can hear what the the Maritime Archaeological Society is doing, and and uh, it's always wonderful to be at the Columbia River Maritime Museum as well. So um, we just have a few minutes left, and so I want each of you to have a few minutes. So Bruce, would you like to say anything else? What what uh, what would you like the listeners to know at this point? Well, if you haven't had a chance to learn about our mini boat program, which is a really fascinating educational program we have right now that's gotten a lot of attention, go to crmm.org, click on mini boat, and then click on mini boat track. And you can see where these uh, boats that these kids, fifth graders through seventh graders in Oregon and Washington, they've built these boats, they've launched them, they're sailing west, hoping to get to uh, Japan. And the kids also build boats that are taken to Japan and launched by Japanese middle school students. And the three boats that were launched uh, on Thanksgiving Day from Japan are now approaching the international dateline. They've cumulatively cumulatively sailed the three boats over 6,000 miles just since Thanksgiving. They're transmitting GPS signals, so the students in both the American and Japanese classrooms are tracking these boats. They're looking at winds and currents. They're making predictions about where the boats are going to go next. And uh, these are five-and-a-half-foot-long fiberglass GPS-equipped boats that the students built themselves. And it's a great uh, teamwork and STEAM exercise, and it's a program we're really proud of. It's making a huge impact on a lot of kids. Yes, and I would urge, again, all of us who really who live here that we are in this maritime culture to become members of the Columbia River Maritime Museum, but not only because of all the, the lectures, the gift shop, all of the benefits of being a member, but you're supporting this incredibly um, important 
cultural icon, really. Yeah, well, thank you. And we've been here since 1962. We originally opened in what's now the Clatsop County Historical Society, which was the old USA, USO building attached to the armory. And we moved across the street uh, to where our, our current location is in 1982. Right. Well, now with the with the new boat pond, I mean, you're just doing all kinds of exciting things. That's fabulous. And, and Chris, I think a lot of people now didn't know that there's this Maritime Archaeological Society and that they might want to volunteer and be members, too. So what else would you like to let the listening audience know? Well, I think it's uh, wonderful if we could get a few more members to do research. Uh, we use the museum's library assets. We meet uh, usually Tuesday mornings. Uh, we go down there, and they, they just have a, a ton of information available. And we, we can go down, and they have some great experts uh, as well. Jeff Smith, uh, the curator down there, he knows where everything is. I don't even have to use a card catalog. I just ask Jeff, and he goes, finds a book. But there are books on everything, including details that are not in books specifically, but are uh, drawings and details of shipwrecks that we think we know where the wreck might be. We can compare them, Mm. and we can determine whether that is the shipwreck we think it is or it was just somebody's story, and it's totally different. uh, So a different kind of treasure hunt in in the files, a different kind of treasure hunt, research treasure hunt. Absolutely. We're we're looking for the historical treasure. Right. Excellent. Well, Chris, so impressive what you're doing with the Maritime Archaeological Society. I mean, and being the here on the North Coast, my gosh, there are so many I know back east, but not here. So you are, and based on a story, that's a, that's a feather in our cap. So thank you so much for that. So I hope all of you will go to the Shipwreck Conference. Again, that's February 8th at Columbia River Maritime Museum. And uh, get your tickets online. But there will be tickets day of as well at the door. Unless we sell them out. We we have 170 seats. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, try to get your tickets as soon as possible. Thank you both so much for making time in your busy schedules to be here. Thanks, Donna. And, um, yeah, so looking forward to this. And my gratitude to local talented banjo instructor Michael Bruin for his original theme music for this program and also the amazing Dylan Hauser-Schock for his presence um, as an engineer, as a human being. He's pretty awesome. Um, Until next week. Let's find a moment right now to take a deep breath. It is so good for body, mind, and spirit. And then with gratitude, focus on the things that are going well in your life. There will always be things that aren't going well, but focus with gratitude on the things that are. And then give yourself a loving and compassionate hug or a pat on the back for doing the best you can and for being uniquely you the only one, and for being here now, in this moment, on the amazing planet we call Earth. <laughs>